Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Add Up Experience podcast, where we make education your business. This is your special guest host, Gwyneth Jean Grande. This episode is part of a mini series of the Add Up Experience, where I will be talking to education leaders about student wellness. I'm thrilled to have as my guest today someone who has worked directly with thousands of students to help them succeed, Byron Sloser. He is currently the founder and CEO of Hello Hive, which is a virtual recruiting platform and community that connects over 30,000 underrepresented early career candidates from over 1,400 schools with top companies and with each other. Through its patented technology, Hive creates meaningful engagement between businesses like Goldman Sachs, Block, Accenture, Bain & Company, and United Talent Agency and a robust community of students that represents an ever-evolving range of diversities, backgrounds, skills, and interests, with a focus on democratizing the career process for all students and enhancing employer access to a highly qualified and diverse pool of candidates. Byron knows a thing or two about career success as he's guided thousands of students on that transition from college to career as director of career wave programs for Tulane University for the past 16 years. Welcome, Byron, and thank you for joining Ed Up. Thank you for having me. I'm so impressed. You are the first person who pronounced my last name correctly. Really? Uh, people say slow czar, and I'm like, no, it's slow, not fast, sir, not man. <laughs> that's how I've had to like get it out to people. So, but <laughs> any of the nice things you said about me, because I was uh, so enamored with the fact that finally somebody got my name right. Great. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Hello Hive and why you founded the company and what gap did you see in the market? Sure. Um, you know, I think in looking back at my time in college and, and after, um, there's a lot to be reimagined about where college and careers intersect. And college is supposed to be the place where you go to to figure yourself out, not the place that you go to pretending to know who you are when you get there. And I worked, you know, with thousands of, of College students um, kind of happened my way into the career business. Uh, it was, you know, a reverse professionalized personal interest of just wanting to have kids and had a bunch of college kids. But, you know, when we think about the uh, market opportunity, it's really just reminding people that there are human beings on both sides of the recruiting conversation. You know, I'm a sociology major running a tech company that has two patents. I don't literally don't know how the stock market works. And so about like the the linear trajectory of you got to study this to get there. It's just about getting opportunities in front of students early enough so that we can uh, know about something to then know what that something is going to expect from us from a skill set standpoint to yeah. then find those skills outside the classroom if I don't have that particular you know facility at my college and then be successful when I choose a career or a first job. Um, and just kind of you know break it down that way. So technology can scale some of the stuff that we try to do in person too much. Do you think it's easier or harder today for students to make that transition from studying their major in college than going out in the real world and having a career and getting a job? It's um it's so much more pressurized. I um I'm in charge of thousands of, of college students getting jobs. I never had an internship, but a lot of what we're doing with this technology is teaching the Byrons of, of the world that, yeah, I went to summer camp, but there were such tangible, resilient skills that I had. Like I was in charge of 12 five-year-old boys, you know, for a full summer when I was 19 years old, like mm -hmm. up against an investment banking intern any day of the week, yeah. right? Same amount of hours. And so I think um, 
a lot of you know what we try to do is simplify this um, in a way that we just look at the next step, right? If the world has taught us anything in the past three years is that even if we try to control our futures, um, the universe sometimes takes a shift elsewhere and we have to figure it out. And so mm-hmm. if you focus on that next step and you look at you know your first job not always needing to be your entire career, um, then you know with catalyzing the voice of the next generation of talent. So everything that I do is um, listening to y'all, not to companies. I always say like, I built this company um, for y'all to make other companies come, not the other way around. But when you think about like harnessing that power of that voice, um, then you get into like what companies are focusing on. Then, you know, the companies are focusing on how long are you going to stay when you get there? Um, but let's think about like just uh, the dynamic difference of what companies are expecting. You are a college student who the average college student changes their major three times. But then we expect you when you're in the real world for the first time to not change your mind. It's ridiculous. It's it's really thinking about what do you want to do, not where do you want to work and making sure that you all have a choice You know, every step of the way, but you're not thinking too far ahead. A lot of friends or just students that I know, they're kind of trying to apply to those liberal arts colleges where they can study many different things because they want to be able to change it. And as well as when they go into a career path, they don't necessarily know what they want to do there. I know so many people who have already had internships and they're like, then they go and change their major and they don't know what they want to do. We always say think beyond your major. It can be relevant, but really the only major that's super relevant to career success is like, I, you know, a physicist has to study physics, mm-hmm. but like I was a sociology kid, right? And so when I think about um, the the urge or someone who wants to be an entrepreneur, which was um, never my MO, I kind of happened into it much later in life accidentally. But um, what I had in college was a position that then my first job out of college was all in fundraising. It was working for an annual fund. No one would have thought that there is actually a direct intersection between working for an annual fund and launching a tech company. Let me tell you the difference. While everyone else is only studying finance and entrepreneurship, um, you know how many founders have such better ideas than I did, but didn't (laughs) raise money, right? So it's like looking at those not soft skills, but those things that we do just to get by to make money and then being able to then look backwards and say, okay, where have I garnered all of these skills? And most of the time, they're not in internships. Those are the structured pieces where we had to get creative, where we had to survive COVID and and, and figure out what we were going to do with ourselves locked in our dorm rooms. And maybe we took a bunch of uh, online boot camps. But that's that's the stuff that like when you think about what you study and what you do and where you do it and why you do it as four different but related entities that even if I have to go study finance, great. Um, but it doesn't mean that I can't go work at United Talent Agency. Guess what? UTA has a finance department, right? So there's a lot of intersectionality that I think we can get to if we broaden beyond like what we're studying. And how much do you think career anxiety contributes to student stress, um, both high school and college? You're a senior in high school. You're already thinking about your career. I mean, that's like, you shouldn't like, that shouldn't be part of the conversation. You should be entering a world when you get to college, wherever you go, by the way, um, wherever you go, you should have the same access to a career, be given the time to develop that out. And so I think um, 
we could normalize this a good bit, but it does take you know, things hitting critical mass and it's um, oftentimes not healthy. I'm the worst career coach in the world. I will tell you, um, after your first year of college, you should not have an internship, right? If you need to make money, go get a part-time job, but getting into college is so pressurized right now. Like that's the one summer that doesn't matter. No one's going to look back on your resume and say, oh, but she didn't have her job, uh, uh, internship, her rising sophomore summer. No, you just gave yourself space mentally to catch up and to take a break and do what you got to do, which might be hanging out with your parents, right? Which might be making some money so you can travel when you go abroad or whatever it is. But um, really, you know, dialing it back for a bit, because while uh, there are certain recruiting cycles that are very aggressive, right? Investment banking, that's 8% of all recruiting. It's just the loudest 8%, right? And so we have <laughs> so much more that we can be doing if we just kind of pay attention to ourselves first. Many students feel so much pressure about career expectations. And it seems the questions about a school's ability to place graduates into jobs, um, and that's becoming more of the focus, as if college is just a means to an end, instead of an opportunity to experience and learn and grow as a person. Well, it's interesting. I talk about this a lot because it's, of course, relevant, right? But there's slight nuances in, in the question that should be being asked and the question that's being asked. The question that often is asked is, who's recruiting on campus? We are in a virtual society where no one needs to go anywhere physically to find meaningful engagement. So little things like instead of asking who's recruiting on campus, if we just shift that to how many of your students are getting jobs? Right, that empowers you as a student to think about any way to find a job or to get to the next step without it being the mechanized traditional piece of having to do it the exact same way that everybody else did. But yeah, I mean, there, I mean, there's been lots of improvement, and I think the companies are driving that. Right, mm -hmm. companies are building virtual exploratory programs. They're thinking about getting y'all a little bit more exposure before you really you know, show up in their offices to work every day, and so I think. You know, post-COVID, out of chaos comes opportunity. Um, the world works better virtually now. Yeah. And sometimes exposure stuff is better and more equitable virtually anyways. I think the strength of a school's alumni network can alleviate a lot of the anxiety and stress about career because alumni often ask, act as mentors and those connections can be incorporated into the college experience in a supportive way. A thousand percent, I agree. Let's think bigger than that. Um, we work on something at Hello Hive called the New Network. Um, and remember, we are technology scaling access, equity, relationships. Um, when you have alumni networks, which are phenomenally resourced, um, what you're trying to often do is say, well, I went to this school. Let me go find a senior executive who also went to this school so I can connect with them. And so everyone should always do that if that alumni network exists. But what your generation has realized organically without anybody having to teach you is the, patter, the, the power of lateral networks. So in addition to going to that senior executive that went to the same school as you did, through technology, um, think about going to a student at a different school who's only one or two years ahead of you, who actually has done this successfully recently, because the higher you get in seniority, the further away they are from how recruiting works day to day. Um, they don't really have the relationships with this, the recruiters, the uh, internship managers that are still there. 
And so when you look laterally at where can I find some support if I, you know, we teach, what do you do? Why do you do it? Where do you do it? The, what do you do? It's the job function. The, where do you do it is industry um, and location. The, why do you do it is culture and values. If, uh, you know, my identity as someone as part of the LGBT community is important to me, then maybe I can look laterally at someone at a different school who has done this recently, who understands my personal experience. And at the same time, I'm building um, this lateral network that are actually going to be resources and peers for me as I go into the workforce. So you're actually investing in your success down the road by thinking it's not replacing your school, but thinking beyond it into other like-minded communities of peers um, to have an additional resource on the chance your school doesn't have a strong alumni network. And even it's like a support system with people that you feel comfortable with or like you and you can be comfortable around them. And I agree, it doesn't just have to be an alumni network. And with all of your years at Tulane, what trends have you noticed regarding um, not just career advice, but also like student wellness and programs to help students and even like clubs or support communities that kind of foster um, a low stress environment? I think if you can get careers on someone's radar without it being so on the nose about careers, um, there's a whole world of student organizations that we used to just join because we liked the thing to do, not the thing that we needed to go join so we could get it on the resume so we get a job. But those other things are actually as interesting and oftentimes more relevant. Um, if I am part of a community service club or if I'm part of uh, the debate club or the chess club, those things have you know significant direct through lines into careers, but it's based off of what you enjoy doing. And so I think one is we can um, encourage students to still do what we like. Then we do see schools doing better at connecting what we'd like to a potential career in that third uh, section of the, the why do we do it stuff that I think is extremely uh, relevant. Um, the other thing that schools are doing is, I mean, I think, uh, again, out of chaos comes opportunity. We have all been so incredibly stressed out um, that schools are empowering students to take a minute to breathe mm -hmm. in whatever capacity that is. And so whether it's uh, encouraging part-time internships or looking at um, more of this virtual exploratory stuff and not direct experience, um, schools are committed to human beings being successful now. Um, not just getting uh, a good placement statistic from employment. Yeah, and I think even with different clubs or interests, the um, having that support system really helps a student's mental health. And so do you have any parting advice for those who are entering college? Do you think it's too early to prepare as a freshman? Um, for a career and those who are graduating, what do you have to say to some of those students who don't have a job lined up already and are maybe stressed and worried about not having that? Yeah, I mean, I say it's never too early, but it's also never too late. You know, um, the resiliency of just uh, surviving college right now is extremely impressive. If I am, uh, let's call I'm, I'm a senior right now in college. 
mm-hmm. and I don't have a job. Um, what I will often say is uh, be selfish with your stress and reserve your hustle. The amount of uh, seniors that I see firing off applications right now um, to jobs that are hiring for right now, just because it feels good to apply to something. Um, while it might feel good to apply to 200 things in 20 minutes with a quick apply button, um, it feels worse when you don't hear from anybody. And then you get into really where it matters. And so um, think about where you're headed and what that industry or company, what their recruiting cycle structure looks like. But for the most part, and what I preach all the time is if I'm a, a senior right now, I'm probably not going to get a job offer until the spring. So I can do one of two things. I can acknowledge that and enjoy my semester right now so I don't get to the spring having hustled so frantically that now I'm exhausted when the hustle really matters. And I look back and I say, wow, I just wasted the fall. Or I could just say that Byron was right, hang out and have fun right now and take a breath and maybe do some general networking and knowledge building, but really save that that aggressive hustle for when you know you're going to need it. And most likely it's going to be for companies that are going to look at you from March forward because now you're in transactional availability to where when they interview by the time they hire you, um, you'll be out of college. Yeah. Uh, but know where you are and also know that the majority of us don't have jobs the minute we get out of college. Easier for me to say than for y'all to hear. <laughs> no, I think no, I think it's great that um, people are going to be able to hear and it's kind of comforting and reassuring that you don't necessarily have to know where you're going or if you don't have a job lined up, then it's okay. You will find it. And, and let me do with this. I'm going to take you through, even if you think you know where you're going, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you, you know, maybe five steps of my career that ended okay. up running a tech company. All right. Uh, originally from Louisiana, first mm-hmm. job out of college, working for Abercrombie and Fitch. Second <laughs> job out of college, working at the annual fund at Tulane. Got stuck in New York the weekend that Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005. Ended up working for Joe Biden as a fundraiser. Had an early midlife crisis, joined the circus. I was a flying trapeze instructor for a year and a half. I then went back to Tulane in career services, and I went into running a tech company. So nothing about that made sense, except the fact that I was actually conditioned and built to sit in the passenger seat, not the driver's seat. And I was okay with that, and I was able to observe and just focus on the next step, not the third next step. So yep. as all this pressure kind of you know, gets to y'all, we're really not in that much control that we think we are. Um, and existing through change, I think is the most important thing to know how to do. No, that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was nice to see you. It's a great conversation. Yes, it was nice to see you. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just adupt. Please follow me on Instagram at the Zen Student Wellness and visit my website, thezenstudent.com. Have a wonderful day.